Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. We're here to empower you, the listener, to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And of course, as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. You can do so by uh, several ways. You can call the number uh, 347-237-5230. That's the number that you can call to get on the air, to get your thoughts, opinions, insights, whatever it is in there. You can join us live in the chat room on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, it is up and it's running, so you can get your things in, get your thoughts in there. Send us an email at pastorlorenzoneal.com. I mean, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I can't remember my email. Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail dot com. Uh, follow on Twitter at Prophesy on Facebook. Zero Network on Facebook. Anyway, you can get us. We're on Skype. We're we're out there, man. We're trying. We're trying. We're always trying to do things that will uh, benefit the good of all people in the church at large, church universal. The Holy Church of Christ, and to you, our beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, we're we're just glad to be on the air. So uh, we're all about uh, sowing seeds of life and liberation through Christ, and we want you to make sure that you we want you to be able to enjoy. So call in, chat, Skype, whatever you want to do. We've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> Always have something to talk about, and today is no exception. We're going to be talking about preaching fallacies, part two. Preachers say the darndest things. <laughs> <laughs> That's part two, and um, we're going to get to that later on, and I, I didn't do a, a segment last week. We had a long week, and God is blessed. Uh, let's say a word of prayer before we go any further, and then we will go forward. Then we will uh, continue with the rest of the show. Father God, we want to thank you for your grace and your mercy and your goodness toward us and allowing us to be able to do the broadcast one more time. We ask your blessings on the show and the callers, the listeners, and everybody who will be participating. Uh, we thank you for all of these things in your life. 
the name of your son, the Christ. Amen. All right. Glad that you're joining with us. Uh, as I said, we're going to be talking about part two. Uh, we're going to pick up part two of a uh, series that we started, Preaching Fallacies. And we're going to be listening, uh, dealing with the, the, the <laughs> subject, Preachers Say the Darndest Things. Um, my my chair is cracking and crackling. i got to get that taken care of. Uh, anyway, so uh, before I get into that, uh, there's a segment I want to deal with. Um, first, this uh, first part of the show, I want to talk about this uh uh, Traylon uh, Martin, I think that's his name. Traylon, Trayvon uh, Martin, uh, the young man who was in, who was gunned down, innocently gunned down by a neighborhood watch leader, and uh, while the um, simple acts of you know, walking from his family. Uh, I forgot the story. I, I mean, I've, I've read the details. I'm sure you've all seen the details. Um, yeah, and uh, Trayvon Martin—that's his name, Trayvon Martin. You know, the 28-year-old young man who committed the crime is still free and has not been arrested, has not been charged, has not been done, has not done anything. You know, uh, as far as as far as I have been reading, it's only been um, mediocre, mediocre investigation at best. And it has not been really coverage, you know, not much coverage of it uh, in in the way that they would cover other other crimes. And you know, of course, you know, it's been agitating. It's been agitating to those people um, who are about social justice, like myself. It's really been agitating. It's been agitating for those persons who um um. Who 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 want to see justice, or at least some you know at least some charge brought against them if it's nothing more than involuntary manslaughter, and those uh, media outlets who have not been covering it as they would cover, say a missing white woman, you know they give overexposure to those those stories, and here uh, the coverage has been mediocre at best. The investigation by the local uh, a law enforcement community has been mediocre at best, and it also brings up several points about racism and uh, underlying issues uh, that we got to think about and we have to talk about. And here's my thing. Here's my take on it. Now, I, 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 I am. I, I, I must say that it is a very, very sad state of affairs in America. When something like this can happen, uh, but I also reflect back Jack's, uh sixty or seventy years ago, which is a very small amount of time, that the value of the life of a African American male was very low, and it I don't think it's changed much in any race, uh, the black race itself and the white race or other races. The value of the black male's life has not really been, you know, hasn't been that high. Uh, when you could lynch them for fun, you know that's what they were doing in the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and I, I don't recall any, in, in, you know, uh, following that those those decades. But you know that was that was an ongoing thing. You know, lynching black men uh, when they weren't slaves, they put them in you know prison camps, the chain gangs, <laughs> locking them up for for various reasons. 
Yeah, getting on a little rant about that. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's just the reality of it. Um, the, uh, the value of African American men has not been high, and, and it's a sad case in the sad state of America. Uh, it's a sad state of America when, um, when those who are agitating things such as pro-life, uh, you know, anti-abortion and all it is, are rallying for those causes yet do not rally. For the cause of an innocent, unarmed young black male, who apparently was a good student, good person, you know, one uh, 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 courteous young man, um, and they have not been rallying for that. You know, they have been crying out for justice for that. I, I have, you know, a slight issue with that. I have a uh, have an issue with the fact that again, um, it took students from the local university to, to raise up uh, the voices to keep this before the eyes of the people and the media, and it is a purposeful thing. You got to give them that. It's a purposeful thing. Uh, but again, that just shows you how further divided we are racially. And um, in my notes here, I I I, I um right did now. Um, had he been white. Had Tray- Trayvon been white, Muslim, or homosexual, that would have been crime. That would have been called a hate crime. Would have been would have been called a hate crime. And I mean, there would be an outrage. There would be an overflow of sensitivity to this unique crime because of the, of, of the type of person. But because he was a you know young black male, the outcry, the rage has not been there, and I think it needs to be there. But you know, and here's the other twist. I was reading on Fox, uh, Fox, one of the Fox um, um, affiliated blogs, and uh, Fox News has has covered it. Um, but you know, they they I guess they didn't cover it. Like some people expect, I don't really care. All news media, the major news media, um, pretty much all share the same bias. So I, I don't go by that. Um, but Fox News, um, Latino, Latino um, blog and um, and site covered the story and it brought up the interesting. Said how much did race really play a factor in that? Because here's the thing. Uh, the young uh, George Zimmerman, the uh, accused killer, neighborhood watch patroller, personally, person, uh, is Hispanic. At least he has been described by Hispanic as his fam by his family. He's been described as Hispanic by his family, and the question was, is that why it's not is getting as much attention or play because he is Hispanic? He's also affluent. You know, he's an affluent Hispanic person. Uh, and uh, I don't know much about uh, the condition uh, of um, Martin's family, uh, young Martin's family, but it was a gated community and all of these things. And uh, and according to this, I think the report is that Zimmerman called the police about 50 times uh, just on that night. <laughs> it hadn't been advised not to do so, by the way, you know. 911 told him don't do it. He did it anyway. So, I mean, that in itself uh, constitutes some type of crime. But, but you know, 
it, it is what it is. But the question, uh, what I was getting to is, um, uh, what role did it really play? You know, uh, did it really play? What role did race really play? If the if it's Hispanic and black, uh, are we just that low on the totem pole that it doesn't matter? Had he been white, killing a young black, what would have been the outrage there? I'm sure there would have been some. Had it been a black man killing a young unarmed white teen, of course, it would have been a lot of outrage. Had it been a, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how I'm going to say this, but, you know, had it been a homosexual, no matter what color, would there have been outrage? Probably if it had been a white male homosexual, yes, there probably would have been more outrage, you know. That we, But that's me. I just digress. Uh, but either way, um, uh, you know the news cover. You know news media didn't cover it as as they cover some. But what can you be expecting? Uh, but do continue to pray for his family. I'm not sure if they funeralized him or not. Uh, I believe it is because it happened in what February uh, earlier this year. It happened, so he probably hasn't been funeralized. But um, it's still, you know, it's a very sad occasion. It brings it to light very um, the great disparity uh, in our in our world, in our nation today, particularly being this is uh, election year, and the rhetoric of race is trying to be toned down. But I'm sure by June we're going to hear that again, as because what we'll have is uh, again, you know, white versus black in a presidential election. That's what it's going to end up. That's what it's going to boil down to. It's going to boil down to race and not policy. It's going to boil down to uh, who can say the worst thing about President Obama without. Uh, being called a racist, they can accomplish that. They will be getting the job done. <laughs> that I mean, that's the goal. Um, well, yeah, that's just my two cents on that thing there. <laughs> uh, call in three four seven two three seven five two three zero if you want to talk about that. If you don't, that's fine. But we're going to be talking about uh, preaching fallacies. Preachers say the darndest thing, and I'm gonna tell you some of the things that uh, <laughs> I have. Some clips I want you to hear. And uh, I want you to call in. I want to get your insight about that. If not, I'm going to spend my time talking to myself, <laughs> listening to my own voice on the show. But uh, nonetheless, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, we're going to get right into our topic, uh, preaching fallacies, preachers say the, the darndest things. And we'll be waiting for you right after this. best tourism season in years. All because so many people wanted to visit us in Louisiana. They came to see us in Florida. Nice try. They came to hang out with us in Alabama. Once folks heard Mississippi had the welcome sign off, they couldn't wait to get here. This year was great, but next year is going to be even better. And anyone who knows the golf knows that winter is prime time fun time. Sun's out. The water's beautiful. You can go deep sea fishing for amberjack, grouper, and mackerel. Our golf courses are open. Our bed and breakfast have special rates. And migrating waterfowl from all over make this a bird watcher's paradise. So if you missed it earlier this year, come on down. If you've already been here, come on back to Mississippi. 
Florida, Louisiana, Alabama, the Gulf's America's getaway spot, no matter where you go. Well, come on down and help make 2012 an even better year for tourism on the Gulf. Brought to you by BP and all of us who call the Gulf home. It was humongous. Enormous, huge bill. That's actually when we switched to Vonage. The service is great. I don't see any difference with the call quality. More, I can just pick up the phone, call. As it. many family members as I want. Ugh, why did I not do this earlier? I'm Laura Pruden, and this was my last bill. Before I switched to Vonage. Time is running out to get Vonage World for just $14.99 a month with unlimited domestic and international calls. Go to Vonage.com or call now. Today is again Pastor Lorenzo Neal, host of the Zero of the Day. Glad you're joining with us today. Uh, this segment we're talking, we're picking up a discussion we had a little uh, in the last broadcast uh, about preaching fallacies. And um, I guess I got to go back a little bit uh, um, because um, uh, when you're talking about fallacies, you're talking about arguments, and when you're talking about preaching, you're talking about delivery and. Um, most people forget that preaching is an art form. You know, it's an art form, and those who do so are performance artists. And <laughs> I know I'm kind of loosely applying that. You got, you got. Forgive me for that, but, uh, but you know, you deal with the art of hermeneutics, the art of interpretation. You deal with the art of homiletics, the art of constructing the sermon, putting it together, and then you deal with the rhetorical art of speaking, public speaking, you know, uh, on recognizing who your audience is and, um, you know, persuading your audience. That's what a sermon is supposed to be, a persuasive argument, and the persuasive argument is that of Christ, and we find that opening in, in Acts chapter 2 with Peter and uh, this is initial the initial sermon Peter you know he goes all the way back to Abraham Abraham and brings it all the way up to Christ persuasively arguing that the person that they crucified uh, uh 
in the name of uh, the person Jesus of Nazareth that they crucified was actually the Messiah, was actually the Christ, was actually the anointed one, was the one that they had been expecting. And because they did not recognize him during that particular time that he was there, they killed him. He rose from the dead uh, with power and glory, and he is... You know, he is the expected one, the expected one. He's coming back and all that. And Peter persuaded. He had such a wonderful persuasive argument that according to uh, the written account, 3,000 people uh, joined the church, <laughs> got saved, joined 3,000 people initially. And, of course, you find that throughout the rest of the chapters of Acts, uh, uh, more convincingly with Stephen in uh, chapter 7, and he's making this argument. And it it was so moving and so persuasive that uh, it, it kind of had the opposite effect. It, it they stoned Stephen, <laughs> but the, the argument was there. And Paul goes on and said, "I didn't come to you know in in Corinthians in First Corinthians. He talks that he didn't come with them to them with persuading words, but in demonstration of the power. But yet Paul in Acts twenty when he is on Mars Hill." presents such a persuasive message. You know, he he presents an, an argument there. And uh and the argument of course is uh, uh deals with the unknown God and he relates the unknown God to Christ and, and presents the gospel for and men believe. So preaching is an art form and it is a performance art not in a way that we, you know, we can screw it in the visual and performing arts. I wish my background is, you know, I, I come out of that background. But it's also, it's also, it's also a uh, a persuasive art. It's a, you know, it's an art where it's an art where, you know, the overall goal is to persuade someone to do something, and that something is to is to uh, accept Christ. Now, I got a friend here. <laughs> I, I have a friend that would, would write, um, wants to share something uh, to his audience, and, and uh, I'm going to allow him to do so in his own way. But before he does that, I, I want to clarify what we're talking about when we talk about fallacy. A fallacy is basically uh, 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 a fallacy is an untruth, and it does mean that it's a uh, the premise is not true. It just means that the premise is faulty in some way. And if the premise is faulty, that means the entire argument that's surrounded is built on that premise and would also be faulty. And if it's faulty, that means there's room for error. There's room for mistruth, untruth, all of that to get in there. And um, so that's that's what we're talking about for, for when we're discussing fallacies and uh, preaching fallacies. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that come from pulpits that that uh, are built on faulty arguments, faulty premises. But, but uh, you know, my friend, is, he's pulling on me. He, he, okay, 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 I'm going to let him get to this. Uh, uh, I'm going to let him speak, and then <laughs> and then we'll get get into the rest of the show, okay? He's so anxious. What's up, y'all? It's the Preaching Cat here, and I'm sorry it's been, I've been gone for a while, but, man, I had to take some time off of ministry. I got hooked up with Paris Hilton's dog, that miniature picture, glory to God. <laughs> Somebody hooked me up, man. We started talking. Man, long story short, I got unequally yoked. Man, this girl didn't know nothing about tithing. I told this girl, I said, girl, look, I give 10%. Matter of fact, I give 20% sometimes. And on a good day, I get 30%. And when I get my income tax, 
<laughs> I get sold at 5%. <laughs> but when that girl got a treat, <laughs> she didn't even break off Jesus a corner. Not even a corner of a doggy treat. She won't stop trying to tie. So I had to break her off, man. But I'm back, baby. No more unequally yoked preaching cats for me. Get ready for the word of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> I had to do that. I'm sorry. I had to do that. It was just too funny. <laughs> Yo, I know you all are familiar with the, the talking Tomcat, and he says, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get into half of the things that some people have recorded or he has said, but I just thought it was funny, and I thought I'd share that to kind of lighten up, <laughs> lighten up the discussion regarding preaching fallacies. Wasn't that cute, though? Wasn't it? Paris Hilton's dog, <laughs> Chihuahua. <laughs> I hope you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to have fun with that. <laughs> but, uh, hey, that's the way some of it is. You, you, you know, uh, you, you taught her how to tie <laughs> income tax. But on a serious note, there are some things, uh, there are preachers who say some of the craziest things from the pulpit. And I, I, I'm, for some reason, I'm, uh, the chat room is going in and out. So if you're trying to get into the chat room, keep trying. Send us a message. Uh, send us a um, Send us a message via email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Um, if you want to get something in, call 347-237-5230. If you still, I'm giving you an opportunity to share some of the craziest things that you've heard from the pulpit. Um, but before we do that, but, uh, while, while we're doing that, I uh, got some clips here I want to share. Uh, last broadcast, we shared a clip with Fred Price. And the Fred Price clip uh, talked about... Um, uh, Jesus committed suicide. I'm going to play that clip again uh, so we can get uh, some more, you know, I don't know if I'm just liking hearing it or what. <laughs> but I'm going to play this clip again, and we got some several other things. And we getting a little bit into exegesis and fallacies and things of that nature. Uh, so that's one of the things we're going to talk about. But here's Pastor Fred Price talking about Jesus commits suicide. Verse 31 said, then Jesus said, not and God said, not the Holy Spirit said, Jesus said, all of you talking to the disciples will be made to stumble because of, I said, this night, made to stumble this night, for it is written, I, circle the word, you circle it, underline it, not God, not the Holy Spirit, he said, I. Who would I be referring to? The left eye or the right eye? Huh? Follow on up. Okay, I want you to get this. He says, he says, I will strike the shepherd. And the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Now he said, I will strike the shepherd. Who, 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 who's going to strike the shepherd? Jesus. What? Jesus. I didn't hear you. Jesus. Who, who's going to strike the shepherd? Jesus. What? Jesus. Okay, he said, I will. Oh, you got you to get this, you got to get it, you got to get it. I will strike the shepherd. I will strike the shepherd. Okay, keep your finger right there. I'm going to ask you that again. Go, go to John chapter 10 again. We're going to look at a different verse. 
Because, see, you have to, if you don't get this in context, then, you know, that, that's the danger of, of being on the Internet. There are going to be some people that will call me a false prophet, a crackpot, all kind of craziness, because they're, not, they're, they're like some of you, they don't listen. No, I'm serious. That's why I do a lot of repetition. Even with that, people, they don't, they just, they don't get it. But you've got to get this because I'm a new creature, you're a new creature, you need to know why you're a new creature, and you need to know the enormity of that responsibility to be a new creature. Okay, you got John 10? Okay, you still have Matthew, though, 26. Okay, I want to read Matthew again. Verse 31, Then Jesus said to them, All of you, not some of you, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I... I will strike the shepherd. I'm going to strike. Who, who is I? Jesus. So Jesus is going to strike the what? The shepherd. So if Jesus is going to strike the shepherd, who is the shepherd? Jesus. So he's going to strike whom? That means he's going to kill himself. All right, that's enough of that. Uh, so you heard what he said, you know, uh this is this is a great example of um bad argument, bad premise. First of all, uh what what we call in in in, in theology and preaching exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is is bringing out you use exegesis to bring out of the text was was there, you know. You find those things, and that involves word study, that involves um, context study, background study. You know, and there are wonderful tools and resources that's accessible to anybody to be able to do that. So, so you know, it, it should not be hard to exegete. Now, to get into a more deep exegesis involves, uh, you know, a better understanding of the languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Uh, those are the languages that the biblical texts are written in, and to understand customs, traditions, and um, historical aspects of the writings of the Hebrew and the uh, New Testament Bible scriptures. So, but that's exegesis. On the other hand, on the flip side of that, you have eisegesis, and this what Pastor Price is doing is an example of eisegesis, reading into it. Into the text, something that's not there, and you see how he starts off by saying, starts off by saying, um, "I, which I, left or right, you know," and I, <laughs> it was not a, a part of the body at all. It's a, it's a pronoun, so I, you know, hey, that, I don't even know where he got that part from, and he continued to read more into that, uh, further, 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 delineating truth of scripture to. Um, what he wanted to put in scripture and by getting his audience to participate by asking who will do what I who is I Jesus Jesus struck the shepherds Jesus struck himself Jesus committed suicide yeah that that that's that's very that, that's um bad logic altogether bad logic bad logic and that's an example of that uh got one more example here <laughs> Uh, this is Pastor um, um, Anderson. Let me get his first name right here. This is Pastor 
Stephen Anderson of Faithful Word Baptist Church in Tempe, Arizona. And in this particular, uh, this uh, this video clip uh, found on YouTube, you can access that on YouTube. Um, he's talking. Um, he's talking from the scripture in First Kings fourteen, and uh, he's one of these uh, independent fundamentalist Baptists who, you know, King James only, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so he has a very interesting interpretation of this particular scripture from First Kings. Uh, Chapter 14, and I want you to listen. It's about four, a little over four minutes long, so so bear with it. But I, I, I guarantee you, you're going to hear some interesting things as he's talking about uh, men should be standing up or not. I'm going to close with one thing. I was reading my Bible this week, and I kept seeing this phrase jump out at me in the Bible. And you're not going to like this, but you haven't liked the sermon up till now. So why would I why would I try and please you now? You're going, to, you're going to be mad no matter what I say. But I was reading the Bible, and uh, I kept seeing this phrase, and I, and I studied this phrase in the Bible. It's used six times, and it's used by God. It's used out of the mouth of God. And uh, it's when the prophet is preaching to the king of Israel, Jesus, and he says, uh, I'm sorry, Jeroboam is sending me back, and he says, Thus saith the Lord. He said, I will destroy from Jeroboam him that pisseth against the wall. Have you ever seen that phrase in the Bible? Put up your hands. Him that pisseth against the wall. You see that in the Bible. It's used six times in the Bible. And it's, you know, six is a significant number in the Bible. It's the number of a man. You know, there are different numbers that represent different things in the Bible. Like seven is the number of completion, you know. Five is the number of death. And you'll see that all throughout the Bible. People being killed under their fifth rib. Genesis 5, 5, Acts 5, 5, on and on. You'll see uh, different numbers and, and significance of numbers. And, and the six times this phrase is used in the Bible. And you say, oh, I can't believe you, you speak that way that's vile. I'm sorry, but the Bible says that the words of Jesus Christ are wholesome words. And the Bible says every word of God is pure. And so don't accuse me of using bad language. That's what the Bible says. He said, I will destroy him that pisseth against the wall. Now, what did, did you ever stop and think, what did God mean by that? Did he mean, well, I don't, what did he mean? Obviously, what is he talking about? All the men, right? He said, he said I'm going to kill all the men that come from Jeroboam. Because there's a difference between men and women. Men piss against the wall. Women don't. Okay? And so God said, he used that language. He used that expression. And by the way, that expression is only in the King James Bible. The New King James eliminates it. This is what the New King James says. Males. All the males. And you know, the, the guys who made it, they are males. They're not men. And God said, a man is somebody who pisses against the wall. Did you know this? When I was in Germany, and you're not even going to believe this. See, why are you preaching this? Because it's in the Bible. Okay. I was in Germany, and uh, I went to use the restroom in Germany in several different people's houses. I mean, totally different people. And even in public places, they had a sign that prohibited a man from peeing standing up. I'm not kidding. I mean, you can ask, my wife is from Germany, and I was there for three and a half months. They had a sign in people's house, they had a sign in the public restroom that prohibited, and I'm not going to, you know, it's like a circle and a line through it, and it's no pee standing up. And I asked my wife, I said, is that like, I thought it was a joke. I was like, is that a joke? That's kind of a crude joke. She said, it's not a joke. She said, no man in Germany pees standing up. 
That's where we're headed in this country, my friend. We got a bunch of pastors who pee sitting down. We got a bunch of, and you say, oh, you know, you're being vile. I'm not, hey, then God's being vile. God's the one that wrote the Bible, my friend. We got, we got pastors who pee sitting down. We got the President of the United States probably pee sitting down. We got a bunch of preachers, we got a bunch of leaders who don't stand up and piss against the wall like a man. And I'm going to tell you something, that's what's wrong with America. You don't, you don't like it? You don't like an old-fashioned Bible that tells you what being a man's all about? Because it's called the King James Bible. And if you don't like that term, piss against the wall, then you know what? Go to the bookstore this afternoon and buy a new King James. It'll take out that word. It'll take out the word damnation. It'll take out the word hell about half the times. It'll take out the word Jehovah, the name of God. It'll take out anything in the Bible that, that has any uh, power to it. It'll take out anything that tells you how things are supposed to be. But you know what? 400 years ago, pastors used to stand up and preach that a man needs to be a man. Not a male. Not the males. It's because the editors of the NIV pee sitting down. It's because the editors of the New King James, they all pee sitting down. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to pee sitting down. I don't care if it's Germany. I'm going to Germany in about a month. You better know I'm going to stand up everywhere I go. Okay, I ain't got nothing to say about that. <laughs> so... He, he he's preaching that you're not a man if you pee sitting down. You're you're a male, and apparently there's a difference between a male and a man. And um, well, I I don't know the difference. <laughs> so um, the biggest thing about this. I, I'm sorry, guys. And you know, you gotta admire his passion, his zeal. <laughs> you gotta imagine all of that, but I mean, you gotta appreciate all of that. But the reality is, his exegesis is horrible. His interpretation of the scripture is horrible. And you know, whether you pee standing up and standing down makes actually, I, I doubt if that makes any any real difference to God. Um, or he would have made you, if it had, he would have made you, made us male men, males, specifically able to do one or the other. I mean, one or the other. But we could do both. So, you know, what's the biggie? <laughs> but you, you, you hear, this is a, uh, this is a very bad, very uh, another bad example of poor exegesis. Um, um, and he, you know, is reading into the scripture, scripture something that's not there. And the reason, the reason that the um, the other versions, other than King James, don't use uh, man is because there was they they, it, they tried to find the right word. You know, when you go back to the original language, there are a lot of words that um, just don't fit the English language. We have to find the closest one. That's with the Indian language. Uh, uh, particularly, for example, you know, uh, I, I talked about the root word fallacy. And the root word fallacy is this when it comes to preaching is that um, preachers go to uh, the strong concordance and, you know, they have the the words Greek and Hebrew and they got the numbers uh, aligned with the strong concordance. And so most times they'll go and they have the number and they go there to find the number and the, and supposedly the word is defined 
and usually it's not defined uh, in in its conjunctive forms. It's just defined in sometimes in its root root form. For example, gnosko, which is to know. Um, in most cases, you will only find that to know, you know, gnosko, but they don't get into they don't get into its various variations or uh, theos, or you know, things of that nature. Um, some some words you just can't break down. You just can't find English words to it. So that's one way. To, that's one of the things they did. Uh, those who are, were transliterating, not translating, transliterating. There's a difference between translation and transliteration. That is also a part of the process of interpretation and exegesis. But you, you know, it's very clear that this guy, although he he brags about this too, he brags about the fact that he. Only finished high school, did not go to college, does not want to go to college, does not go to seminary, does not want to go to seminary. But he has memorized 140 chapters of the Bible. (laughs) He has memorized 140 chapters of the Bible, therefore he is an authority in um, (laughs) Bible interpretation. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm having fun with this, but that's that's the reality. So... So what is the what is the fallacy? The fallacy, of course, is um, you have to read the context of the whole story to find out what is he talking about. And pisseth against the wall is not an argument for peeing standing up and not sitting down. It actually, <laughs> actually, actually, in the Old Testament. Uh, is that that particular phrase was more of a derogatory thing, you know, more slanderous, more you know, more like uh, trash talking than anything else. It had nothing to do with the actual action itself. So you know, if he had spent a little more time just reading something other than you know, well, let me stop. <laughs> Can y'all tell I'm having too much fun? I am. I'm gonna take a quick break, and when I come back from this break, we'll get some. Uh, uh, matter of fact, I don't even know if I have a little time. Uh, we'll take a minute break in, and we'll come back after that and, and deal with this last one, okay? When mucus piles up in your chest, the congestion can get in the way of your day. Vacuum with mud, mop the floor. With so few hours in a day, it's not easy keeping a place looking this trippy. You have the magic Maximum Strength Mucinex breaks up the mucus that causes chest congestion. And only Mucinex is a bilayered tablet. One side goes to work fast, the other is long lasting. Uh oh. <coughs> What about my canola? Mucinex is fast-acting and provides long-lasting 12-hour relief. 12 hours? Mucinex in. Mucus out. I wasn't born to push papers. I was born to push myself. To go where I'm needed. To keep this country safe. I was born with the backbone and brain power to take on any mission. This is my office. I was born ready. GoCoastGuard.com Those of you who have listened to my show uh, realize that uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me, and I had lost just, I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents. But then I remembered that I had security. I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com. Now, here's the good thing about Carbonite.com. They have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce, transactions, all that stuff. They got it, right? 
And then they're housed it in state-of-art data centers that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving the meter because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So if, if, if you, you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go to that site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer will be safe and secure. Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. All right, welcome back to Zero Today. Glad you're here. Glad you're joining us again. Call in 347-237-5230 to get in your air. Um, chat room's still up. And you can get in the chat room, leave your comments there if you'd like to. Uh, we've been talking about preaching fallacies. Preachers say the darndest things and play two good recordings. So, um, Pastor Fred Price and Pastor um, Anderson um, both um, did some uh, – they had faulty premises that they based their – their uh, arguments on, and the arguments, therefore, the entirety of the argument was fallacious. Um, and, of course, they did bad interpretation of Scripture altogether. But there, there, there are some horrible preachers. I got some more clips here. Now, this is what is heard. Uh, this is a young man that's heard, you know, he, he's 15 years old. He's uh, Anthony Payne. Uh, that's what is, uh, he goes by the name. Prophet Anthony Fat Cat Payne. And this is what's heard. I'm going to play a uh, few minutes of uh, preaching that's typically heard in most churches. And, and the young man is, is gifted, I can I tell you that. But uh, this is what is heard across pulpits most of the time. Listen and listen. Come on, somebody, put those hands together and give God some praise in here. Come on, put those hands together like you mean it and give God some praise in here. I don't know about you, but I feel like preaching in here. Hey Amen. I just feel like preaching like I'm finna go crazy. But on your way down, go to your neighbor and say, neighbor, we're going to make it through this. Touch him and say, it might be hard, but we're going to make it through this. Oh, Lord. Oh, that wasn't the right name. I dare you to stand up on your feet and go find somebody and shake their hand like you're going to shake it off and say, Neighbor, we're going to make it through this. Oh, yeah, Lord. It may get hard sometimes, but we're going to make it through this. I don't care what the situation may be. We're going to make it through this. Good God, I feel like preaching. Is there anybody here tonight that made up in their mind? 
I don't care what the problem is. I'm going to make it through this. I heard my daddy say earlier, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Come on, daddy. Walk with me, daddy. We just walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but we're going to make it through this. Is there anybody here tonight that made up in their mind? This is the last time you'll see me like this. I'm coming out as pure gold. I'm coming out. Touch three people and say, this is the last time you'll see me like this. Come on, tell them, say, this is the last time you'll see me like this. Because I realize what the thief come to do. The thief come but the kill, still in the short. And you think the devil coming after your fancy car. The devil ain't coming after your fancy car. The devil coming after your faith. Why he coming after my faith? Because the Bible says, with faith is, faith is the substance of things hoped for. But the evidence of things not seen. Has there anybody been hoping for some stuff? Has there anybody here tonight that made up in their mind? I'm coming out of this thing, but I'm coming out with joy. Oh, I'm coming out with joy. You know what you ought to do? You ought to go to the party store. Good God, I feel like preaching. You ought to come to the party store. Get you some balloons. Get you some bubbles. Get you some party strength. And have you a coming out party. Good God, I feel like preaching. Is there anybody here tonight that made up in their mind? I'm tired of the devil fooling with me. Hit them drums, Garcia. I'm tired of the devil fooling with me. And I stopped by here tonight to tell somebody it's going to be all right. Hook somebody and say it's all right, baby. All right, that was a young uh, preacher, Anthony Payne. Uh, he's preaching. And you have to see the video. You can go to YouTube and you'll see the video of Prophet Anthony Fat Cat Payne. And you see the video at this uh, that short discourse, those few minutes. He hadn't even gotten to the text yet. He that was you know he had just gotten up to preaching. Uh, but that is the kind of thing that comes across uh, pulpits, uh, black pulpits in particular. Uh, and white churches are catching on, but black pulpits in particular, you know, they kind of. Hilarity, and despair. And I, I'm, I can't say that I'm guilty of it. You've done it before, you know. When you, you ain't got nothing to say, you know what to say to get the people to get moving, that kind of thing. And folk does sometimes they don't know any better. But it's, it's, it, you know, it's a sad case in the church, and that's what that's how the enemy infiltrates uh, people's lives because uh, those who don't study the word. They think the only the only time they get word is from the preaching moment, and you know sometimes that's that's failed. Um, I got one more clip and one more clip to play, and this clip is uh, from um, self-proclaimed Rabbi Ralph Mesher. Now, if that name sounds familiar, but it should. This is the guy who, in late January, anointed Eddie Long as king. And uh, you know he wrapped him up in a supposedly three thousand year old, three hundred year old Torah, whatever it was, and had four men lifting him up on a chair and 
they paraded him around the pulpit of New Birth Churches if he was king, while his uh, the congregation um, applauded, you know, and celebrated whatever it may be. But before that event, this is it. Uh, during the same service, earlier in the same service, he says these words, and he goes on. And again, you can find this on, on YouTube, but he he talks about that blacks were under a voodoo curse, and he talks about um, talks about breaking the curse of things in nature. But the first uh, first part of his his uh, speech or whatever I, I can't call it a sermon, but whatever it was. Um, uh, we're going to play uh, about three minutes of that and let you hear how he tries to relate black folks to uh, ancient Israel and things of that nature. Check this out. Release God's government. Are you ready to release God's government? Amen. All right. We're going to go back now, all the way back to Israel, moving forward. History records, I'm going to spend just two, a few minutes here. How are we doing on time? Okay. Praise God. Ten minutes. History records that the ten of the twelve tribes were dispersed from Israel into Europe and Africa. So in other words, your forefathers originally were from Israel. Of the lost ten tribes of Israel, of the twelve tribes of Israel, I should say, of the twelve tribes of Israel, eight are black. Can I ask you something? I went to crowds and I would ask them, okay, can you tell me a black person in the Bible? I went to, I, I went to Nigeria, I went to, uh, you know, went all over. Barbados, etc. Follow the slave trade routes. I'm doing a film on black history. I have over 100 DVDs on black history. And I said, can you tell me a one black person in the Bible? Most people can't. No, no offense. And I'm going to tell you why later. But do you know that the Midianites, how many know that? We're black of the black culture. Do you know that Moses was married to a black woman? Do you know that Joseph was married to a black woman? Do you want me to go on? How about Isaac? How about Jacob? Do you want... <laughs> Oh, why is it that all of your forefathers... Now, how many would agree that Jesus is not a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Malibu-looking Jesus with a perfect Van Dyke from Supercuts? Can I get a witness? Anybody? How many would agree if he grew up in the Middle East, talk to me some of them. Let's be honest. Let's be family. He's a little darker than me. Can I get an amen, everybody? Now that we're family here, amen? But I want you to know from my heart, God's releasing anointing. Your forefathers came from the Middle East, and write it, write it down, in 721 BCE. 721 BCE, the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel were split very quickly here. This southern kingdom made up of half the tribe of Levi, Benjamin, and Judah, making up what is called the house of Judah. The northern kingdom called the Lost Ten Tribes, otherwise known as Ephraim, the largest numerical tribe, or the house of Israel. He went up into Assyria, came back to Israel, and then the black Jews went down to Africa, the Ashkenazi Jews to Prussia between Germany and Russia, and Spanish Sephardic Jews to Spain, Solomon's trade routes. But Israel, ladies and gentlemen, again, was never originally called Israel. It was called Greater Africa. So when they went down south, there was two tribes. One tribe, as we said before, was the tribe of Dan. Say the tribe of Dan. The musicians. Say the musicians in the temple. And then the other one was the tribe of Judah, the worshipers. The tribe of Dan went down, and the tribe of Judah. Now Judah had three brothers that owned almost all of Africa, and West Africa specifically. And their last name again was called Homey. H-O-M-E-Y. Is there any Homies in here? Can I get it? 
I did this in Bishop Butler in Detroit, Michigan. We had 6,000 people, and then went crazy. And I thought, man, I didn't know. What, what, did I say something wrong? Why are they laughing at homie? And then finally, a brother walked up and said, no, no, sit down. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what a homie is. Amen? Now, <laughs> that was very, very, very interesting to hear. But you can hear how he tried to he tried to connect with his audience by by uh, alleging that ten of the twelve tribes were black, uh, and and you know and going on and talking about this. Now the, the problem with what what makes this a fallacy, what makes this a fallacy is the first way first way he began by saying we're trying to establish God's government. You don't have to establish God's government; it's already been established. He's the creator. You don't do anything. Um, and Jesus himself prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He already has a kingdom. He already has a government. He already has that. He has angels. He has authority. He has that. So we don't establish that at all. So that's a fallacy to begin with. That's a bad argument. Second bad argument was the connection by assuming that all in the audience uh, who were black were of African descent. Or, you know... Their, their forefathers and things of that nature. That's the second assumption, and it's a faulty assumption because uh, just because you have a group, of, uh, a big group of black folk, don't mean they're all from Africa. <laughs> they all descend from Africa, or the you know, for that matter. Uh, there were indigenous people of color, and I guess there's some truth to again. There's some truth that that yeah, there there was there's a diaspora from at the African continent. But they're dispersed across the world, and the assumption you cannot assume the, that those persons in their audience that they were immediately related to someone dispersed from the African continent during the time of, of uh, you know, slavery from the 1500 years. That 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 is some truth, but it's not completely true. So, because they didn't just come from, you know, you understand what I'm saying? So that's a faulty argument. And uh, later on, and I, I wasn't able to get the full clip, but it's a large clip. It's about 15 minutes long. He do, he goes into the voodoo curses and and relates relates the homie, <laughs> the homie, and Begali. He he relates those two curses, uh, voodoo curses that that got over into um, finances. And other things, but again, you go to the whole clip uh, rap mess on YouTube, and you'll find it. And um, he is it's very, very bad interpretation of scripture, very bad application, and, and of course, uh, uh, the logic was faulty, the the premise was faulty. So I I, I just want to have a little fun with you today on, on this show with the uh, with the clips and with the um, teaching and. Because again, I think a lot of people are left out in the dark about what authentic preaching is, and there are so many preaching fallacies that are out there that it's hard to discern and differentiate what is authentic, true, word-centered preaching, Christ-centered preaching, versus what is itching ear-centered preaching. And we got a lot of that in the world today. But be not dismayed, whatever it may be, uh, God will take care of you, and He will give you what you need to know to do what you need to do. The go ye therefore. That's what it's all about. So uh, next time we're going to try to do our best to uh, bring you a good show. Uh, we'll be probably continuing this topic and hopefully uh, have more. But until then, we invite you to uh, listen to all the other past broadcasts.
so that you can learn and, and you know, you can pick up any broadcast from um, all the way to the end. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 